Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. Metro exists to exalt God and equip people. Here at Metro, we long to become a community that celebrates the presence of God, communicates the Word of God, demonstrates the love of God, and educates the people of God. Everything we do revolves around this core mission and vision. We are so glad you are here today to listen to this week's podcast. It is our prayer that this message encourages you and equips you to be like Christ in all aspects of your life. Enjoy today's message. Greetings to all of you in the sweet and matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a joy, what a privilege for us to be here this morning with you all. I know the last three months we have been displaced. Several of our families were displaced. The pandemic itself has disconnected all of us in many ways, but we thank God that we're able to come back. So therefore, um, this first Sunday of the month of May 2021 is the first Sunday where we can celebrate the Coming Back Home series because we are indeed coming back to the Lord, coming back to worship, coming back to our home. So much has changed in the past several months, isn't it? As you walked into the sanctuary, you see a big change. First of all, I want to say thank you to the Lord for helping us through these three months because it has not been easy by any means. There have been countless hours of work that has taken place here in the sanctuary and countless hours on the phone for so many people to get things moving. Some of our brothers can testify to that, that when they had their houses damaged by this winter storm. It took them several weeks and weeks. Even some of them have not yet gone back to their homes. They're still staying out in uh, either rented facilities or they are with their families. So it has been quite a journey, but we thank God that the Lord has provided everything in its time. Other than a Sameta Devam Sagaladum Nivartichu. We thank God for that. Along with the insurance company, for those who are working here, whether they were working on the stage or the carpets that were destroyed, even our pews were destroyed, some of them. So we had to change the pews. But we thank God that two churches took our pews, and today those pews are being used for worship, one in the city, one in Oklahoma. So we thank God for that, that their pews have not gone waste. Somebody's worshiping sitting on those pews. So we had to move into chairs. Of course, these chairs were the ones we were in the balcony. We put it down now. We have ordered for some chairs, but all back ordered. So that will take another four months before we finally have chairs. That actually increases the capacity of our uh, sanctuary by many, uh, at least by 40 to 50 numbers in many ways. So we thank God. Uh, as I told you, uh, the board of trustees, the board of deacons, the financial board, they all work together behind it. Uh, I don't want to name any names. You know them. So there is no need for me naming names. But thanks be to God that God gave them the diligence. And so also many of you had come here to volunteer, to come here to clean. And today what you see, uh, it was not like this. Last Sunday you may have witnessed uh, the, the video that I shared about how things were so messy, how things were all broken down. But we thank God today when we are here is all neat and clean. We thank God for that. We continue to look forward. Uh, to the Lord in the days to come that he is going to continue to bless us as we come together as a family of God. We still are in the midst of a pandemic. Nearly almost 600,000 people have lost their life in this nation. And now we're talking about India that has increased more than 200,000 people. 
today evening tomorrow evening and day after tomorrow three days we have we are going to host a concert of prayer in the sanctuary we invited pastors in the city churches in the city to come and to stand in the gap and pray for the nation of india you're more than welcome to come because uh, we will be standing and praying for standing together for india the least that we can do but that is the greatest thing that we can also do at this time because there needs to be a cohesion of working together for the government whether it be federal government of india state governments local governments hospitals uh, ngos everyone coming together then only people will receive what they need to receive in the due season so church uh, if you are able to come come if not that is also being live telecast through power vision so you can be in your homes and you can still watch that and you can participate in the prayer meetings next sunday uh, for those who are here for the first time uh, next sunday we begin at 8:45 because next sunday we have a baptism we have our eight children in the church who are taking water baptism baptism will take place the start with 10:30 so uh, we will start our first service 9 a.m. service will be 8:45 to 10 a.m. and immediately after that uh, people will start coming in 10:30 we will begin the baptism service i just want to let you know so as you go back and register for next sunday's worship you may see that it is 8:45 not 9 we are asking you to come 15 minutes ahead of time hallelujah i want to take you this morning to a scripture passage um, that the holy spirit has been impressing upon me as we begin this uh, series uh, in this month of may and that is found in the in the prophetical book of isaiah chapter 6 The title of today's sermon is Exalting God and Equipping His People. In exalting God, God equips His people. If you know the mission um, of Metro is to exalt God. Metro exists to exalt God and to equip God's people to share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit in Dallas-Fort Worth as well as in the world. What we see, you know, things may be different but this is not what we are about we are about exalting god and one of the ways in which you and i exalt god is through worship and isaiah 6 portrays to you and me a beautiful chapter a beautiful picture of a worship that is taking place and god allows his prophet his servant isaiah to be able to witness that to be able to see that he he captures a vision of heaven he captures a vision of heaven I like this definition of vision that I read. It says is a combination of a deep dissatisfaction with what is and a clear grasp of what could be. A dissatisfaction of what is and a clear grasp of what could be. If you have vision, you will always be able to say it is not over. if you have a vision you will never be able to say it is over you will be able to say it is not over and that's exactly what the message that god is giving to isaiah for us to understand chapter 6 you need to read chapter 5 verse 30 5 verse 30 would you turn to your bible 5 verse 30 it says the last the b part of 5 verse that's that's the general background of of Isaiah prophesying or Isaiah's ministry the call of Isaiah's ministry is shared there in verse 30 behold darkness and distress 
and the light is darkened by its clouds. What do you read there? Behold, darkness and distress. And if one looks to the land, darkness and distress, and the light is darkened by its clouds. That's exactly what Isaiah is seeing. Chapter 1 to 5 portrays that, amplifies that. What do you read in chapter 1, verse 2 and 3? Isaiah chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. That's the background. That's the setting in which Isaiah finds himself, and God is calling him for ministry. If you continue to read verse 4, Isaiah 1 verse 4, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. You continue to read the first five chapters, you will find many other passages within those five chapters which tells you the background of what exactly is taking place in Judah in the times that Isaiah is called to his prophetical ministry. God's judgment is going to come. Chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, if you read, the judgment is going to come. But in the midst of that judgment, God is also giving them hope. God is giving them hope. If you read Isaiah chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, um, especially chapter 2, verse uh, 2 to 4, if you read, it says, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. The day is going to come when nations shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2 to 6, if you read, you begin to see in those, in those chapters, there will be a booth for from the storm and rain. So even in the midst of gloom, distress, and darkness, there is also a message of hope that Isaiah gives. Isaiah gives. But for that, something must happen. That is, there must be an atonement for sin. Atonement for sin. Listen to what Isaiah says in chapter 1, verse 5 to 6. Why will you still be stuck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. From the sole of the foot, even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. God is saying, even before I can begin to heal the land, even before I begin to bring, about, bring out my miracles on the land, there must be an atonement that must take place for the sins of God's people. Hallelujah. Church, in that context, when you read, now you start reading chapter 5, verse 30, you begin to see the big picture in which God is calling Isaiah to minister. The calling to a prophetic office is coming in that, in that context. Hallelujah. Chapter 6, oftentimes we would say, you know, many times I have also heard the same thing. No, it's not like that. Chapter 1 is actually the beginning of, the, of, of this book. He, but, but why did the Holy Spirit place it at, in, in that way? It's because Isaiah realizes that even in the context where I find myself, there is hope. You can look to God and God will come through for his people. 
And that's exactly what he's sharing from his own life experience. That the seraphim came and touched my lips and began to tell me, I have cleansed you. I have purged you. I have washed you. Your sin has been atoned for. Hallelujah. God will come through for his people. God will come through his, for his people. But as you read this whole chapter, Isaiah chapter 6, there are a few observations that I want to make. Number one, as you read, you begin to see, you know, in the whole chapter of 6, one, one thing that you often see again and again repeated is death. What do you see in chapter, verse 1? You see a dying king. The name of the king is Uzziah. Verse 5, the prophet says, woe unto me, I am undone. I'm about to die because my eyes have seen the king of glory. I'm about to die. How can I live after having seen God? A dying prophet who is under the sentence. Verse 6, you see an altar over which an animal has been sacrificed. A dead animal has been sacrificed. Verse 13, you begin to see a tree, a terebinth or an oak tree that has been cut. So in all these four verses, verses 1, Verses 5, verses uh, 6 and 13, you see the metaphor of death over and over played, over and over. But in contrast to that death is what Isaiah sees. I see the Lord high and lifted up. I see a dying king in my kingdom. But on the same time, I look up my eyes to the high heavens and I see God is still seated on the throne and he is reigning over his people. I don't see death there. Death is not the last word. Hallelujah. Death is not the last word. Neither does death has the last word in the lives of God's people. The last Thursday, I had the opportunity to minister to a group of people, pastors and ministers in, in Nagpur. They were all over India. So while we were, uh, before I spoke, there was this pastor and his wife. They began to share their story. Pastor Pavan Kumar and Mamta. They live in Nagpur. Maharashtra. The last several weeks he has been sick with COVID and uh, we had the opportunity to pray for him. Even on prayer line once I mentioned his name. But then there have been so many names that have been coming, especially people suffering with COVID. We may not, we didn't have the time to tell everyone's name. So we heard the testimony of Pastor Pawan. He and his wife both became COVID positive. And they were both from one hospital to the other hospital. He was taken one of the larger hospital which had four ICU floors and he was in the second floor of the ICU. And he shared with his own mouth, his oxygen level was going down below, below into, the, into the 70s. And the doctor came and told his wife is also COVID so she's also there with him. And Pastor Pavan said that doctors came and told he needs to be on ventilator. But they were afraid because he had this fear in his heart. He had heard that most of the people who end up on ventilator are not safe, they die. So he didn't want to be on ventilator. At the same time, he's worried and he's crying out, Lord, is this the end of my life? Am I going to die now? He's seeing his wife is going to the bathroom and she's crying out. And he's saying, what will happen to my children? And then his wife would come. She would lay her hands on her husband and he would, she would pray for him. He said, when I, all around me, people are dying. All around me, people are dying because of COVID. When I see people dying on my right-hand side, I turn to the left-hand side. Then I see people dying on my left-hand side, I try to turn to the right-hand side. Death all around. But after 13th day, his oxygen level started increasing. 
miraculously god began to move for him in a miraculous way he was able to see and he came out of that covid unit hallelujah without oxygen and right now he shared his testimony even as he's sharing his testimony his wife is wiping his his his, his head because he's sweating maybe in the, maybe in the 90s but he said i feared i saw and when i was hearing his testimony you know if you go back to psalm 18 that's exactly what you see the psalmist says death had encompassed all about me the pangs of sheol had entangled me and i thought i am about to die but death was not the last word for my life because my god had a greater plan for me church isaiah is reminding you and me death is not the last word god will come through for his people he is not through with them yet the other thing about isaiah that you read uh, about king uzziah that did you read is this king uzziah was a is a was a great king though 52 years he served uh, the people 52 years he was king you read about his story in second kings chapter 15 and in more detail you read about king uzziah in second chronicles chapter 26 but when he became when he grew strong he became proud so what happened he entered the temple and began to offer incense that which he was not supposed to do so when he came to offer incense the the priest told him king you may be powerful god has given you victory but that doesn't mean this is your job there is appointed and anointed people of god who will do the service but he nonetheless wanted to offer an incense to god in the temple what happened immediately leprosy broke out and he was rushed out from that moment onwards till his dying days he was not seated on the throne of israel he was living by himself he was estranged from god's people he was unclean the king died as he lived estranged and unclean So the question that the big question that the prophet had in his mind is this will that be the same fate of God's people Deiva janathinte avastha adu thanne aayirikkumo Deivam avare marannu kalayumo avare paapathinji praichitham undagiyillo will their sin never be atoned for and God is giving an assurance to prophet Isaiah through his own experience no i will make an atonement for my people the people of israel had also stepped out of the bounds of grace they were also moving towards their demise they were also going to be surrendered to their enemies but god is saying no i will you know chapter 7 is so beautiful isaiah speaks to king ahaz and says you know ask how many times god shall defeat your enemies he said no i don't want to ask for any sign then god says the lord himself shall give you a sign hallelujah the virgin shall conceive and you shall and she shall have a son and his name shall be immanuel and god shall give you victory sometimes we are too afraid to ask for a sign when god gives us the opportunity and the lord says i myself will do this thing we often see that there is a proclamation of prophecy that comes to jesus christ which will take place much later than then but even in that stage chapter 7 of isaiah god gives him a vision god gives him a sign of a virgin conceiving that's how god does things another thing to observe in this whole story is this you begin to see that this whole vision is about heaven touching earth isn't it this is a vision of heaven touching earth in a context of worship what exactly happens is nothing else it is heaven coming down and reaching where you are i are 
Isaiah finds himself probably, I'm thinking in my imagination, he finds himself in the temple. And when he's in the temple, because that's exactly the place where King Uzziah was sent out from the temple. And he comes to the temple probably, he's asking, Lord, what is going to happen to our nation? The throne room is empty. What is going to happen? And the Lord gives him a vision. The Lord gives him a vision of God who is seated on the throne. And then what else? The train of his robe fills the entire temple. What did Isaiah see? He sees the thresholds are shaking. He sees the doorposts are shaking. He sees a house filled with a smoke. Brings back remembrance of hallelujah King Solomon when he dedicated the temple. The glory of God came and filled the temple. Church, Worship is that opportunity when you and I stand exalting God. Heaven comes to meet you and me in the point of our need. That is the moment, hallelujah, when you and I are able to experience heaven here on earth, hallelujah. Amen. An upward vision of Isaiah leads to an inward vision. He cries out, Lord, I am unworthy to even stand here, Lord. I am even unworthy, Lord, to be called into ministry. I am unworthy. I find myself inadequate, O oh God. But God says, don't call yourself inadequate. Don't call yourself inadequate because I am touching you. Amen. My hallelujah, from the same altar, hallelujah, the seraphim comes. He takes it from the tongue. He takes a live coal and he comes and touches his lips and says, I have made you whole. I have made you whole. Church, when you and I begin to exalt God, not only he comes, hallelujah, to meet us, you and me at the point of a need, he also equips us. Because till that moment as you read, the, the smoke has filled the, the whole place. He's not able to see anything else because the seraphims are crying out one to another, holy, 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 he's the Lord God Almighty and the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. He's not able to hear anything. He finds himself completely silenced by the worship of heaven. He finds himself completely stunned and shocked by the worship of heaven. But then once his tongue is touched, once when God touches him, he's able to hear the counsel of God. Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Worship is that moment, church. When you and I begin to exalt God, he comes near to us. You and I are able to hear what he has to speak to us. When our heart is set right with God. And that is exactly what is happening. I love the way in which you know, he portrays the worship, the, 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 the glimpse of worship in heaven as it is portrayed on earth. Hallelujah. It is the seraphims calling out, crying out one to another, one to another. That is the community aspect of worship. Hallelujah. It is not just by themselves alone, but one seraphim, hallelujah, covering his face, covering his feet, flying continuously, speaking to the other seraphim. You know what? God is great. You know what? God is holy. You know what? Hallelujah. They are talking one to another, and that's exactly what a worshiping community does. When they come together, they are praising God. They are saying to one another, listen, my God is a great God. Hallelujah. What a beautiful, what a beautiful picture of worship as a community aspect, as a community aspect. And John Calvin, you know, one of the, one of the reformers would say that, you know, this, this picture has been given to you and me, this image has been given to you and me, is an example set before us so that we may imitate this. We may imitate this. That's what the community does. 
Hallelujah. Whether we are singing songs in Malayalam, English, Hindi, Tamil, whichever language, we're all joining together in praising God. You read the Psalms, they are full of those, those imageries. When the psalmist says, I was glad, when they said unto me, let's go to the house of God. Hallelujah. Let us exalt his name together. Let us worship his name together. Let us magnify his name together. Church, I want to tell you, when we come together as a community in worship, there is great anointing, there is great blessing. It pours, it brings heaven down to earth amen so many passages you know that's exactly what the what the what the picture would be even in heaven you book, read the book of revelation chapter 5 and 7 i see a great multitude a great multitude and they are singing praises to god together in heaven i see a great multitude singing praises to the lamb in heaven is all will be together hallelujah so church this morning let's speak one to another one to another hallelujah what is the content of worship there? What is the content of worship there? It is holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. This is the first time in the Bible that you find three times it is mentioned, holy, holy, holy. Nowhere else in the Bible, in the entire Hebrew Bible, you will find anything mentioned three times. Two, we understand, is superlative, isn't it? And this is even beyond that. This is even beyond that. What does it say? What does it say? When a worshiping community comes together, the one that you and I worship is indeed holy. He's totally separated from us. He's beyond us. He's not somebody that you and I can even capture in our words. He's indescribable. You and I cannot even describe him. And that holiness is what captures you and me, our heart to worship this holy God in the beauty of holiness. Hallelujah. We cannot, even, we cannot even fathom what this holiness would all be. The transcendent holiness of God. But you know, the beauty is this. God is not only transcendent, holy, but he's also, who is so imminent to us, his glory is revealed in the earth. His glory is revealed in the earth. So in one verse, the seraphims, as they are worshiping God, they are telling, this is a concept that you must hold very closely together. Is God so other? He's so holy that you and I cannot even mention his name who lives in inapproachable light, but he's also so close to us. In Jesus Christ, God has revealed himself to us so that you and I can worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there in their midst. This morning, church, that is our joy to worship him. Hallelujah. But am I doing, am I worshiping him in spirit and in truth? But let me, let me conclude here and invite the worship team to come and share, lead us in a time of worship. Worship is also an opportunity for us to hear the call of God. The call of God. But before the call comes, there comes a cleansing. There comes a cleansing. And I did say to you, this is a moment that God is teaching his servant that I am not through with you. And I want to tell this message to my entire people that I am not through with them also. If I can clean you, I can cleanse you. I also want to commission you. I want to cleanse my people. I want to, hallelujah, usher my people into a ministry that they have never known and seen. So Isaiah, who shall go for me? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, Lord, I, I don't feel adequate enough, but because I've seen the king of the glory, because I've seen the king who is hallelujah seated on the heavenly throne room, because I've seen and because I've been cleansed, I feel that I'm equipped for ministry, Lord. 
I'm equipped for ministry. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. The live coal, the tongs, the altar, all these things tell us that the fire is not a pretend fire, church. It is a real fire. Amen? It is a real fire. But the live coal also captures atonement, propitiation, satisfaction, forgiveness, cleansing, reconciliation. And that's what God wants his people to be in. This morning when we come to the Lord's table also, church, take a moment to think about that. Lord, it may be several months or weeks that we have participated in Lord's table, O oh God. But Lord, capture a heart this morning, Lord, so that we are able to see that you died for us. And because you have died for us, O oh Lord, you also are calling us, Lord, to serve your name, O oh God. Isaiah says, that's the context of my, of my serving. My context of my serving is, I have seen the exalted God. Church, would you close your eyes for a moment? And would you stand to your feet this morning? Hallelujah morning. Let's, let's look to the Lord. If there be any area that you and I need to confess this morning, make this time because God is not over with, it, with us yet. He still has a great plan for you and for me. Amen. The message of hope through prophet Isaiah speaking, even if a tree is felled, even if a tree is felled, whether it be a terebinth or an oak, the seed remains and that's the holy seed that God is looking for. Hallelujah. There is hope, church. There is light. There is deliverance. Can I tell you, church, this morning, before God is going to open a new door for you, would you start praising him in the hallways? Hallelujah. Would you start praising him in the hallway? Hallelujah. Can we start praising and worshiping God in the hallway so that God may open supernatural door for you and for me? Let heaven come and meet us this morning in our worship. Let's give to God that which belongs to God. Let's offer our worship to Him. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If there is anything we can do to continue equipping you in your pursuit to be like Jesus, then please do not hesitate to reach out to us on our website at metrochurch.us. Also, if you found today's message to be inspiring and informative, then please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on this podcast platform or on our website. Again, thank you for joining us. We are so grateful for you. Have a great week and God bless you and your family.